0: just by way of review we're still going over what are the basics of Christianity what we talked about how we want to be able to pass these things on to our kids or explain some some of the basics Um, I just heard a testimony of a guy who was over in China and planning churches there house churches and then American guy and then just after a few months they took took back his visa and he thought man I had only a few weeks with these guys and now they're going to be the pastors and they're going to pass to this church. And he realized, just looking through Acts, like that happened in Acts. There's things like that in Acts where some places Paul spent years and some places it wasn't very long and he passed off the church. And so, you know, um, there may be times like with the Ethiopian eunuch where we just have a few minutes, you know, to share with somebody before we never see him again. And just knowing that we can't have the whole Bible in our minds, at least I can't memorize it all. Um, I know there's some, I'm sure there's people that have, but I'm not one of them. And so I need a summary. You know, I need to have it, the main idea distilled down for me, and just to think about that, even just as I teach my kids, you know, what are the main things I want to get across? And so that's the reason we're doing a question and answer, is uh, like I said before, basically trying to gear this towards everyone, but. To where a three-year-old could repeat it and and understand it and apply it. So um, that's the goal. And it hasn't been perfect. I know that. But one thing I was thinking about in terms of positive, there's not many time, or actually probably never ever before have uh, many people been able to repeat every point I've made for the last two months. <laughs> and there's quite a few kids that can do it. So that's good. And some adults. So. Praise the Lord for that. Even that is just kind of an encouragement, Um, however imperfect it's been, but there's some positives there. So just by way of review, we've gone over a lot, really, a lot of ground, a lot of basic things. Why did God make me? Who is God? What is God's word? What is sin? Um, And today we're moving on to the gospel, which is, here's the question. What does Jesus' blood do? What does Jesus' blood do? And, again, just as before, I feel like I was limited to four. I couldn't give more than four things, or it gets too much, especially for kids. So four, I had to narrow it down to four. And actually, there's a, John Piper has a good book called 50 Reasons Jesus Came to Die. So he has 50, and I had to narrow it down to four. So I'm... I did my best here. So, But here's the answer. What does, what does Jesus' blood do? By faith, Jesus' blood washes us white as snow, frees us from our sin, gives us eternal life, and shows us how much God loves us. So, I'm going to read that to you one more time. What does Jesus' blood do? By faith, Jesus' blood Washes us white as snow. Frees us from our sin. Gives us eternal life. And shows us how much God loves us. So, almost, at least for me, I think about it as the four verbs there that helps me remember them. Washes, frees, gives, and shows. And so that, if I forget like which one, that's how I remember it. Washes us, frees us, gives us, what, and shows us. So... That's what we're going to talk about today, Lord willing. And let's start just by reading Revelation 7:14. So those are all paraphrases of verses, or directly phrases from verses. But let's start in Revelation 7:14. Let's just talk about the big picture here to start. Revelation 7:14. I said to him. Well, let's go back to 13 to get the context. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? And I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So, who is it? Who are the ones, you know, at the end of the age when we all stand before the Lord? Who are the ones that will be with God? Those who have washed their robes white in the blood of the Lamb. And I want to get across what Jesus' blood does, but just, I have some other goals too, just for today. One is just the reality of Jesus' death, just as we talk about it. I don't I don't want it to be trite, you know? Like, we have taught, we talk about Jesus dying basically every week, and we don't want it to become trite, where it's like you don't even hear it, or it doesn't even register, it's not even real. I've given the example before of at the elementary school, we had to recite the Pledge of Allegiance every day, and the kids could rattle it off without even engaging their brains. Like, it was not, they had no idea what they were saying, you know? It was like, I pledge allegiance, and they make go through it like that, you know, and we don't want to talk about Jesus like that, where it's like you're rattling off you know this prepared thing that it doesn't even register to you that it was that's real, and we want the death of Jesus to be real to us and to see it as a real death, a real person died for us, and so. You know, sometimes I, I notice these things, you know, you talk about something heavy and you can get a sense that people, it's not real to them. And I notice this especially with high school kids, not that I am trying to pick on you if you're in high school. We all were and we all probably did this, so I'm not trying to pick on you at all. But I notice this working with high school kids is that they joke, a lot of the things they joke about are actually really too heavy to joke about. So they'll joke and they'll say things, they'll make jokes about death, abuse, suicide, other people, and you just really get the sense like you have no idea what you're saying, and it's not something to laugh about. And um, and you just, it becomes super clear to you they don't have reality, and we don't want to talk about Jesus like that. Well, we definitely don't want to joke about Jesus, for sure, um, and we shouldn't be. But, but we don't want to do that. Where we, You say something and then the sense is you don't, you're not getting it. Like, this is real. This is something that actually has weight and has meaning and has reality. And we don't want to talk about death like it's not death. We don't want to talk about crucifixion like it's not crucifixion. It's no small thing to say that we're washing our robes in blood. And it's not trite. It's not old news, and I, we didn't, I, did not, I, don't, I did not plan this at all, which is pretty amazing, because Andy picked the songs, and I was going to talk about that song, uh, The Blood, uh, nothing, uh, There Is a Fountain Filled with Blood. And the reason was because one time it really hit me while we were singing it. I don't remember when it was, but it really, really hit me. like We're singing about a fountain filled with blood and people jumping in like if, if I pulled up a video like, hey guys, I've got a video here and uh, let's just watch it for a second and then there's a fountain, you see the fountain and then suddenly something starts coming out of it. Oh, it's blood. And then people start jumping into it. You'd be like, this is like a horror movie um, because it would be scary, right? I mean, it's it's terrifying. But what we're saying is we're talking about how Jesus really died, right? And there's real blood and it's not like, it's almost like, even this sermon is like PG-13 really because we're talking about a person that was tortured to death and poured their blood out for for you it is scary and it's weighty it's weighty but it's also personal right and we already kind of talked about that people different People shared Andy and, and throughout the singing really just the personalness of it, that it was for you that it wasn't just he just died just in general, he died for you, and he's a person. The gospel really comes down to a person, the the life, death, and resurrection of a person, Jesus, for you. I'm going to tell you an illustration, um, that I've used before, but, you know, none of this is new, but just trying to remind you the goodness of God, the reality of, of Jesus' death, but imagine, imagine you're walking across the street, and maybe you've got your phone out, and, uh, you aren't paying attention, and the person behind you, uh, pushes you out of the way, you hear a screech and you turn around and uh, they got hit by a car and they push you out of the way. You were the one not paying attention. They basically took the hit for you and there would be blood. What would your reaction be? You would not be the same. You would not be able to sleep, likely. You would never forget it. You certainly wouldn't, if somebody joked about that person, use their name as a joke, you would say, that's bad. <laughs> this person died for me. Um, it would be serious to you. You would probably sit down on the curb, put your head in your hands, and it would be eminently real to you that a person who was alive died for you when you were the one who wasn't, wasn't doing the right thing. Um, now, the death of Jesus is more than that. Because that person, if it was you or me or anyone else, we all are sinners that deserve to die. And one day we all will die. But Jesus didn't have to die. He was perfect. He could have never become a man. He could have never even had blood. But he took on flesh and blood so he could push you out of the way. That's, that's why he did it. That's why he had blood at all. He could have never felt pain, but he took on the ability to feel pain for you to take your pain, to take your death. And so don't want to go through and talk about Jesus and his death for you like it's not real. And one day, you know, we'll see him and it will be real and we'll, we'll, it'll hit us with reality. Wow, those holes in your hands those those were for me and we'll see him and we want to have reality now and live like that live like people purchased by blood and and when we sing you know we see wow blood is a costly thing you know and and this is coming from the context think about this he's talking to Jews who really had this picture Clear in their minds, because look at this verse here again with me, Revelation seven fourteen. Washing their robes and making them white, in the blood of the lamb. Now imagine you you grew up in this culture where you know that sin leads to a, the death of an innocent victim, on behalf of you for your sin, and imagine you grew up a you know a little Jewish boy or girl. This would be. This wouldn't just be a metaphor for you. This would be like a um, sense memory, probably one of your most vivid memories. When when maybe the first time your parents caught you just red-handed lying or stealing, you know, and they said, "Did you just lie?" And you say, "No," you know. You know how kids they'll get scared and they'll lie more, which is bad. But that's what they do. And um, I remember doing that as a kid. And then you prove it, you know. Well, you lied. Um, here's the here's the proof, and your parents would say, you know, we're going to the temple, and you'd walk up. And they'd take some money and they'd purchase a lamb. And they'd take you in, and they would, you confess your sin. You need to confess your sin before the priest, and and the, you the, you know you can read about this in Leviticus. But they would lay their hand on the head of the lamb and confess their sin. And maybe your parent would tell you, you know, you need to confess to God that you lied. And the kid confesses, and then they kill the lamb right there. That would be scary. That would be memorable. It's like, there's that blood right there for my sin. And you would remember it. And it would be serious. And you would get the feeling like sin is really serious. And then we find out, you know, of course, that the blood of goats and lambs didn't cover our sin. It was Jesus. Jesus. All those blood, those were just symbols, you know. And they were, we're waiting for Jesus. And there he comes, and he's the lamb. It's like, oh, praise the Lord. And just even praise the Lord that you don't have to do that over and over anymore. It's like, Jesus did it. He paid it. And here's this blood, precious blood. The blood of God, as Acts says, the blood of God, it's amazing, shed for you. And so, just trying to get across here just the seriousness the wonderful and amazing gift that god became a man at all and that it's real it's it's real there was real blood there was wet deep red blood spilled for you and it was it was personal it was a person who died for you and not just in general but no they knew it was for you jesus knew it was for you your name was written in the book of life before time he he died knowing It was for you. And that blood washes us white as snow. That's an amazing thing to think. Our sin is washed. It's washed, but it's washed in a costly way through the death of Jesus. Jesus, what a good God that would do that, would die for us. And so you can see here the first part of the answer. What does Jesus' blood do? By faith, Jesus' blood washes us white as snow. And you can see that here in its washing. It talks about us washing our robes in the blood of the Lamb, making them white. Another verse that says a similar thing from the Old Testament, Isaiah 1.18 says, Come, now let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are crimson, they shall become like wool. Though our sins are scarlet, they shall become white as snow. So here's amazing news, that all that, you know, the weightiness of a person dying for you, it was that you could be totally washed, totally clean. Every single sin, all all the way down to the littlest, all the way up to the greatest, every single one, just washed by the blood of Jesus. How good, how wonderful is God? he starts there we're guilty you feel that right and i think about that at first it sounds sad you know it's like man um someone had to die and it is sad but it's also wonderful it's wonderful that god made a way for us to be cleansed of our sin we can be washed and not just a little bit washed we can be washed white as snow praise the lord I mean, if you've got sin you know, on your back, you, you know the good news is being able to just confess it and know there's forgiveness here. There's real, thorough forgiveness from God. And you know that's, that's only one piece, really, of the good news, is the forgiveness of sin. I mean, there's so much more to that. It starts there. When we think about the death of Jesus, we think first, of course, forgiveness of sin. But there's more. Not only forgiveness of sin... The second part, what does Jesus' blood do? By faith, Jesus' blood washes us white as snow and frees us from our sin, and frees us. So let's look while we're in Revelation at Revelation 1.5. This is the main verse, really, where this it comes across. Revelation 1, 5. And Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Now, I'm interpreting this idea of freedom. You could actually lump in forgiveness with it if you wanted. But I'm going um, in, in my answer, I'm talking specifically not just about forgiveness. I'm actually talking about uh, being freed from the power of sin. And there's a couple other places where this idea of freedom is tied in with that. I'll read you some of those. Though they don't have the word blood. And so this one is talking about specifically the blood is what frees us but I'm going to read you a couple more here. This is Jesus in John 8. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So slavery to sin, freedom by the son. Another uh, passage, Romans 6. Do you not know that if you present your yourselves to anyone as slaves you are slaves of the one whom you obey either of sin which leads to death or of obedience which leads to righteousness but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you are committed and having been set free from sin you have become slaves of righteousness and so not only does Jesus forgive you he frees you from the power of sin You, you be Before you were enslaved to it, it's like you loved your sin, you were stuck in it, but Jesus comes along and he doesn't just say you're forgiven, he changes you from the inside out, you're freed, you're you're new on the inside, you are a different person, the old person died, there's a new person that's alive, there's a new power, Uh, the power of sin is broken and you now have the spirit of God in you, and you know, we could talk about it like going before a judge, right? And this is good news because we have more than one problem. It's not just that we need to be forgiven. We need to be born again. We need to be new. Because if you, let's imagine a a scene here in Kirksville where someone comes before the judge and when we used to go into the jail, which you could pray for that, just a side note, pray that we go into the jail again soon because it's been a long time. And uh, that was, really good to be able to talk to those guys but you know many of you went have gone into the jail and talked to the ladies or the guys and drugs is a big one you know that a lot of them are in there for drugs probably most of them and i remember a really specific one time there was one guy and he came in and he was just broken up and he was telling this story basically how he had gone before the judge and the judge, you know, he said, yeah, I I, I did these all these drugs. And um, basically the judge said, I'm going to give you another chance. You're going to be on parole. You're going to have drug tests. But I'm going to let you go. Um, and he knew if I do drugs, I will go back to jail for, I can't remember what he said, 15 years or something. I can't remember. A long time. And he said, he was sitting there and he started just weeping like uncontrollably. And he basically said that... He had to tell his daughter, like, I went out and I did drugs, and I'm not going to see you until basically you graduate. And I chose drugs over you, basically. And he was just weeping. Like, he was just realized, like, I am a slave. This makes no sense. Like, this does not make any sense. This one night of doing drugs, knowing I was going to have a drug test, makes no sense trading that for all this time with my family. And... That shows the the brokenness of a a human being, right? The guy was, he wasn't forgiven, but he was, much of his sin was overlooked so that he could go free by the judge. But it didn't change. Um, He did have parole, so it's not a perfect illustration. But much of his sin was overlooked and he didn't actually get the punishment that he could have. Instead, he got freedom, but he wasn't free. He wasn't free on the inside, right? He was still a slave. And so it would not be good news if Jesus just forgave our guilt and left us who we were. Because we would go right back, right? We would do just what we did before. It's like, well, I did that because I love this more than I love people. I did that because I love this more than I love you, God. I did that because I love myself more than I love doing what's good, you know? And so we would be right back in it. But Jesus didn't leave us there. He forgave us our guilt. And then he changes us from the inside out. We, we're new. We're freed from the bondage of our sin. We're not slaves anymore, which is really good news. And its uh, I think this is from Spurgeon, but I don't remember for certain. He tells it like a sheep and a pig. You know, you can take a pig, and you wash that pig off. You get the pig as clean as you want, and you put him wherever you want. But that pig is going to go back, and that pig's going to roll in the mud. You can't keep that pig clean. Pigs love the mud. And actually, I probably should have verified this with somebody who's a farmer, because I actually have never been around a pig, so (laughs) pigs love the mud, okay, good. And they said, and then Spurgeon said, um, a sheep is the opposite. You put a sheep in a pig pen, and you push it into the mud, and it won't lie there, it will get up, because it doesn't want to roll in the mud. Um, And I don't know if that's true either, but I'm... For the sake of illustration, are sheep more clean than pigs? Okay, yes. I got a, got a head knot here. Okay. Um, anyways, think about that. You clean one off. You cannot keep it clean because it wants to go back into, into the mud. The other one, you push it down into the mud, and it will get up. And you push it down again, and it will get up. And you push it down again, and, and it will get up out of the mud. If you open the door to the pig pen where all the mud is, the pigs will run in, the sheep will run out that's what it is to be a christian it's like i used to love the mud i used to love to sin i used to pay to go to the movies and watch people sin and talk about it with my friends how great it was you know and now it's like i would pay not to see those movies you know um why because they don't delight me anymore it does it's not a delight anymore it's it's a disgust um And that's the way it is when Jesus frees us. We're new. It's these things that drew us in. It's like, I used to love this sin. Now I'm disgusted by this sin. I used to be bored by the Bible, by praying. Um, And now I love, I love God. I love talking to him. I love pouring out my burdens to him. I love reading what he has to say to me today. That's totally different. Praise the Lord. And it's by... The blood of Jesus. We didn't change ourselves. We didn't free ourselves. We didn't see the, you know, it says if the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. It's not like these changes, like I'm going to break these, bam. No. Jesus came. He broke them. We couldn't do it ourselves. And you, you know, if you are um, like me, you know, I tried so many times. I felt so guilty about much of my sin. Confess it, confess it. I'm going to try harder, I'm going to try harder. And I never could get free. But Jesus freed me. When it was the, the things that I never could free myself because I was doing it myself. I was trying to break it in my own strength. So, praise the Lord that not only does He wash us white as snow, you know, forgive us of our sins, He frees us from our sins, the power of our sins. And that's good news for you, but it's also good news because you can share that, right? Like, you, you know people that are just slaves, and it's like we know the answer. Like, it happened to me. Like, I used to be totally enslaved, and now I'm totally free. By the grace of God, by the power of the, of the blood of Jesus, and you can have it too. That's a good news to share. It's good news for us. It's good news to share. And, yeah, like, I think it was last week that Lance was, maybe it was, I think it was Lance talking about sharing with kids. It's like I talked to my daughter, you know, it's like, share with her. Like, I, I I used to be really mean. I used to not care about people. I used to be not loving, you know but Jesus saved me from my sins, you know? Um, and we can, we can talk to people. I thought that was good advice from Lance a couple weeks ago. But, so not only does Jesus' blood wash us white as snow, free us from our sin, it, he gives us eternal life. He gives us eternal life. So let's turn to John 6. We're going to read at the end of the chapter, verses 53 through 56. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. the blood of Jesus gives us eternal life as we feed on it by faith. Um, another couple of verses I'll just read here. John 3.16, it doesn't have the word blood, but it has the same idea. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him... So there's the idea of faith. Remember the, the question, what does Jesus' blood do? The answer starts with, by faith. By faith, it washes us white as snow. By faith, it frees us from our sin. By faith, it gives us eternal life. And so we see that not only does Jesus' blood forgive us and not only does it free us, he gives us life, eternal life. He could, I mean the world could be, could he could have set it up To where we didn't go on living forever we weren't eternal souls we were here for 100 years and then we were gone but he didn't he set it up to where we're eternal beings and he came to give us eternal life not just forgive us and free us for the next 70 years but forgive us and free us for the next 70 times 70 times 70 times 70 all the way eternally forever so praise the lord that he Though we deserve to die because of our sin, though we were even devouring, our, we were being devoured by our own sin, like we talked about last week. He came to give us life instead of death. He died to give us life. His death gives us life. And I, I think it's in both senses of the word, both senses of the word life. For example, you know, just you're alive. You can be alive but not have life, right? And that's even clearer in this John 6 passage because he's basically telling people, you're walking around and you're, you're breathing, but without me, without feeding on me and my flesh, you're not, you don't have life. You're not alive. And, you know, we can attest to that. You know, Remember when you were lost and it was like you were living, but you weren't living? I mean, it was like, yeah, I'm here, I'm breathing, I'm walking around, but I am so empty. And I am missing out. I know I'm missing out on something something more, there's something more that I don't have. Um, The idea of, you know, Jesus gets this across when he talks about giving us abundant life. He's not just here, to you're alive and you're making it through, but he's giving you real, full, abundant life. And not just for for now, but for eternity. John 17 kind of gets that across too. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You know, eternal life isn't just living on forever. And there's actually an old Twilight Zone episode where this guy, he goes on, he just lives forever, and he gets just miserable because he's like, I'm just, I'm just miserable. I've, I live forever, but I, I'm not fulfilled. And he ends up getting sentenced to life, sentenced in prison. And at the end of the Twilight Zone episode, he's just sitting there. He's like, "I, I'm, I'm going to be here forever," and he's just like going, kind of going crazy. I wonder what year that was. It's black and white, so. <laughs> Anyways, that gives you the sense. I mean, that's really what it would be—just to live, but to not know God. I mean, the eternal life is not just living and breathing and having food and a place to sleep, but it's knowing God. And every day, you have abundant life. You have, you know, who you are. Right? We talked about that beginning. Why did God make me? To serve Him, to be like Him, and to be with Him all my days. Like you know why you're made and you can live out that purpose and you are filled with life from God now and forever. Praise the Lord. Not just life, but abundant life. And then kind of tied into that, dovetailing the next answer into that one. Part of that is seeing how much God loves us. That not only... What does Jesus' blood do? By faith, washes us white as snow. I'm, I forgot the next one, so don't tell me, because I won't remember. By faith, it washes us white as snow. It frees us from our sin. It gives us eternal life. And it shows us how much God loves us. And it shows us how much God loves us. That's the last one. And I'll read you a couple of verses here. If you want to turn over Few chapters, this will be the last verse we turn to. John fifteen thirteen. I'm gonna read a few more, but I won't make you turn there. John fifteen thirteen. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. I'm just going to read you a couple more verses while related to that. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though for perhaps a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 7-8 For God so loved the world, so loved the world, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. John three sixteen. You know, part of that abundant life is God loves you. Not only do you know God, not only is God forgiving you of your sins, freeing you from your sins. Not only is He giving you life, He He really loves you, and this is what we know by faith. And so I might just ask you this, do you believe that? Do you really believe that God loves you? Not only that he loves you, but think about this. God couldn't have shown his love how much he loves you any more than he did. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And just, again, we've said this so many times, but just think about God could have made a thousand worlds, a thousand universes just like that with a word of his mouth, but he only had one son. And there only will ever be one son. One. And that's the one son that he gave to die for you. God really loves you deeply. He deeply, deeply loves you. And if you ever doubt that, look back at the cross. There's nothing more he could have done than shed his own blood for you, become a man, and and die for you. The only begotten son from the Father, that's the one that died. You know, this idea, you know, does God really love me, actually comes up a lot, in general, both for Christians, but also for non-Christians. Whenever, this is another thing you could pray for, um, We haven't been able to go out to campus and do tracks during COVID because they said no outside people on campus. So that would be good, you know, if we could pray for that too, just to be able to talk to people. But a lot of times, the people I would talk to, this happened actually repeatedly. I would talk to people, and they would tell me something to the effect of, I used to be religious, but then God took X from me. And like, might be a family member, or it might be something bad happened, Um, They lost their um, scholarship or, you know, something. Um, But basically, even their house burned down or something like that. Like, God, I used to be a Christian, but I thought I was a Christian. And God took something from me, and I just don't know that I really believe God loves me. Or he really is good anymore. And it's a really sad thing to hear, but it actually happened repeatedly. And... The reality, the reality is it's not true. Um, actually, to kind of illustrate it, I usually tell them a story back. And um, I used to tell them a story about a, a dad who the house was on fire and he ran in. He saved the son. He runs back out. He runs back into the burning house to grab the son, and he runs out with the son, but the dad ends up dying. You know, um, if the dad didn't leave the son something in his will, that son wouldn't say, for example, well, I don't know that my dad really loves me because he left the house to my brother. Well, he died to save you. Of course he loves you. It's obvious that he loves you. You can't question that when he died. It's really an application just to that verse, greater love has one than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. If the dad left nothing to the son, but he ran back in and gave his life to save him, you'd still know he loves me, you know? Another, actually, I, I saw something that, I think maybe Karen posted this on Facebook. I can't remember for certain. But it was actually, I felt like a better analogy even than that one. It was basically, there's these two boys um, playing out in the on a farm. It was in Iowa, I think. Maybe, it, I might have got that wrong, but... Anyways, I'll do my best to relate the story, because this is actually a true story. But there was a well, and the cover over it was wooden, and one of the boys fell into the well. Just de- uh, the, the, the wood collapsed or whatever, and he fell deep down into the well. And this was just around Father's Day. It just posted recently. And the father jumped into, he told the other little boy standing there, like, you need to go to the road and signal help. And uh, I think that other boy was only like three years old or something. And so the father jumps down into the well. I can't remember how deep it was, like 70 feet deep or something crazy to save that boy. Um, He doesn't have a rope or anything. And the boy is just standing by the row this three-year-old. Some people drive by like, what's going on? And the three-year-old says, Dad's in a hole. And they don't really know what that means. But eventually they figure it out that he's in the well. And he had jumped down there and he had actually... His boy, I guess, couldn't swim very well. I think maybe that's part of part of it. And he had got him, which is amazing that he didn't just fall right onto him. And they pulled him out, both of them, which is just praise the Lord. When Jess started telling me the story, she went saw it on Facebook. I don't have a Facebook, but I was like, "Don't tell me the rest, like unless they live, because I just can't handle it." And she's like, "They both get out." I was like, "Oh, praise the Lord," um, because. That would have been just devastating um, but that- the reality is is that that dad may have turned around and later that day told the kid he couldn't have something right. He may have said like, "No, you can't have you know seconds on ice cream tonight or something, or no, you can't buy this at the store, but you know what that dad loved that kid more than the kid could ever know, you know and you as parents probably have experienced that, where one of your kids says, you don't love me, you know. And you know it's not true. And you know they just don't get it. And so that's the kind of story I share with the people who say, like, well, I just don't think God really loves me because my uncle died or or something like that. And I will tell them, you know, that story. And I'll say, like, that's what happened to you. Like, Jesus died for you. And you if he takes anything away from you, you know, maybe your uncle or maybe it's something else, a job, like, can you really go on and say like, but he doesn't love me? Like he'll die for me, but he won't give me this. Like, does that really make sense? And it seems to resonate um, with people. I mean, not everyone, but some people seem to really get like, yeah, if he gave me the greatest thing, why wouldn't he give me this lesser thing that he really does love us? And so I'm just going to close and wrap all these thoughts together by saying this. By faith, right? All these are true. By faith. And so do you believe this? You know, is this something you're leaning on, you're trusting, that God will wash away your sin? That he will not just wash it away, but when he washes it, he will help you. He will free you from your sin. You know, it's like sometimes that part isn't. Believed, you know, it's like he's gonna help you. He's not gonna let you go on. It may not happen right away. It may take years and years and years, but he's gonna every year and and every day he's gonna help you and he's gonna be freeing you. And it's a, it's not easy. I'm not saying it happens overnight, but God promised to free you and he's gonna help you. Um, believe that. Uh, he's gonna give you life, you know, uh, now and forever. And we can lean on that by faith. And not only that, that God loves us. He really, really, really loves you. He loves you as much as He loves any person. There's no person in the world, if you're trusting Jesus' blood, there's no person in the world that He loves more than you. He loves you exactly how He loves Jesus. That's amazing. When you, I mean, sometimes I try and imagine it in my mind, it's like, what if Jesus was living this hard situation I'm in? How would God be feeling towards Jesus? And it's really helpful. It's like, God would just, I know God, which I can almost feel like the love that God would have for Jesus. But then it's like, yeah, but he loves me just that much. And he really does. He really loves you um, as much as he loves Jesus. And by blood, by faith, in Him, we know that. Um, and so I'm just asking you, do you believe it? And if you don't, believe it. I mean, if you're a kid, you've got an opportunity to know God, to be washed, to be free, to have life. And it's all because of the love of God for you. Trust. Believe it. Believe it. I'll close with this quote here. from It's from Tim Keller. And it's like, there's two sides. You know, we're going over the basics. And it's like, we just spent a bunch of time on sin, right? You know, like, how was it? Two or three weeks on sin, which is like, it's hard. And then we just talked about the heaviness of like blood. It was real blood poured out. It's like, but on the other hand, there's the wonder of the love of God for us. And he kind of summarizes it well. He says that the cross shows us that we're worse than we ever thought, but we're more loved than we could have ever hoped. And that really summarizes it well. It's like, man, I really, I need Jesus. And more than I ever thought, but I'm more loved than I ever hoped. And so, praise the Lord for who he is and what he's done for us. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful that not just Jesus loves us, but you loved us enough to watch Jesus die. and I'm sure that was harder than I could ever imagine. I can't imagine. I can't imagine that. But you sent your son. We're thankful. And Jesus, we're thankful to you for being willing and laying your life down. We're thankful. Um, We want it to be real to us. We want to believe it. Uh, every day live like we've been purchased like you died for us we need help pray you would help us we're so thankful for forgiveness for freedom for life and for your love we we want to know more of each of those we pray that there would be more in in our church and in our lives i pray you'd save some of our kids pray you'd free us more and more from our sin, just like you promised, and free our kids. pray you'd free people in the jail from their sins. And I pray you'd give us life. Would you just fill us here? And many, many people I know are going through very difficult things, and we need help. We need life from you. We need abundant life. Would you pour it into our hearts? We're trusting you, I do pray too there surely there's people who are, who just even like we just shared, we just kind of doubt your love, and there's times where we're questioning it. Would you help us? We want to receive it as much as love as you have for us. We want to receive all of it, not just a little bit or something, so we need help in that. And we do just want to thank you just again, Father, for sending Jesus. And thank you, Jesus, for being willing to die. Amen.